Good morning and shalom. It's such a blessing to be with you again. Two years. You, you probably, some of you read our, our prayer letters, and I'm sure that Ryan keeps you well informed. I saw you a couple times on Zoom, uh, if you remember. So I was, I was so blessed to participate in a marathon class while being, on, uh, being with you online. But to see you in person, it's such a treat. It's such a blessing. And I was missing coffee and, uh, and uh, donuts. <laughs> so this uh, <laughs> online, it's not served. So this, uh, this morning, I, 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 as I had breakfast in my room, uh, I, I thought, do I need a coffee? And then I thought, well, there is probably coffee and donut <laughs> at the marathon class. And I was not mistaken. So many things changed since uh, I've been here last time, but not this one. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Uh, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for being uh, with us in ministry, for partnering with us. Uh, you know, probably, uh, you're aware of major updates. Uh, one, of, uh, one of those updates I want to emphasize is that with Dallas Theological Seminary, we finally started uh, MA, Master of Arts in Jewish Studies, as well as uh, THM with emphasis in Jewish studies. And uh, this week I am even going to talk about demean in Jewish, in Jewish ministries or something like this. So we are just uh, now in the stage of really developing uh, these uh, programs. Uh, so far that uh, Jewish uh, studies classes are uh, already on DTS catalog. And uh, although they are uh, going under Bible exposition department, some of you are familiar with B uh, department, uh, they are uh, they are like signed differently. So it's not BE classes, but JS classes, so Jewish studies. It's so nice to have these classes as distinct. And the partnership is built in the way that uh, DTS offers the best of uh, their uh, required curriculum like OBE classes or through the whole Bible, systematic theology uh, classes, and everything what relates to Jewish studies is offered through our school in uh, Germany. Well, uh, their partnership is also with, uh, school, uh, with a school in Israel, but uh, only the classes that we offer through Germany are on the catalog of DTSs, DTS classes. Uh, we have already six students uh, in Germany. We are entering now our second semester. It's slow beginning, but it's going. And uh, we have six students uh, from Germany and about like six students from uh, United States at the moment. And we have not advertised it well yet. So the interest is there. Uh, uh, this time I came uh, to teach a class, uh, so this week, Monday through Friday, I taught an intensive class, uh, so eight hours a day uh, for five days. Uh, the class was called Ministry in Jewish Context. It was a hybrid class, so half of the students were in class, in person, uh, some were uh, sitting online. It was such a joy to teach in person again. And uh, I'm uh, here uh, this coming week uh, to strengthen our partnership with DTS, to talk to students, to uh, the faculty. And I'm going God's willing, and you know this uh, James uh, chapter 6, if God's willing and the COVID allows, I'm just kidding, there is no uh, <laughs> chapter 6 in James, uh, but, uh, but if the borders stay open, I'm going to come uh, to uh, Dallas 
more or less regularly just to develop this uh, program and uh, Jewish ministries, Jewish studies presence on DTS campus. So for the for this semester, uh, I'm making that uh, one of my top ministry uh, priorities. And the reason for that is uh, that we, uh, by by teaching the students, by uh, by raising their awareness uh, on DTS campus, we can uh, reach to many Jewish people and to the church, fighting the anti-Semitism and sharing the blessing that was promised to Abraham. Because DTS is training, I, I would say, uh, elite of Christian leadership for the future till uh, Jesus uh, will come back. And if these future leaders are aware of Israel and understand the, the theology of Israel and the necessity of the gospel for the Jewish people, the impact might be very strong. So uh, pray for that. Otherwise, as you know from uh, my, my uh, letters, uh, the main uh, challenge in Germany is uh, the division in the society uh, regarding COVID. So how to uh, uh, be to be va vaccinated, not to be vaccinated, uh, to uh, wear masks or not to wear ma masks at our congregation. It's just like we try don't talk about that, but it's uh, but the tension is there. And the tension uh, is there in the society. And uh, uh, as my, uh, my neighbor uh, once said, uh, uh, that he's wondering that Germans still haven't got the guns and shot each other. Shot each other because the division and polarization in the society so uh, strong. So uh, the message of uh, peace and reconciliation, especially in this troubled time, that's what uh, I'm trying to implement and our congregation as well as uh, as well as uh, in other places well uh, Ryan asked me uh, today to do something unusual well unusual from Ryan's point of view <laughs> uh, he, uh, he said that maybe many people in class don't remember my story or don't know the story. So why uh, you you're not you would not share it again? It was uh, what approximately not worth exactly, but what Ryan uh, meant. And I said, okay, why not? I suggested some uh, some other uh, very deep theological questions uh, for teaching this morning, but Ryan was, oh no, uh, the, it could be considered to be a heresy or to be just, <laughs> it would be very, I'm just kidding. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let me share my story, but I will also read something from the Bible, so no worries. I will, I will connect my story with, uh, with the message that I, was, uh, that I have uh, on my heart this morning. So, uh, I was born, again, if you know my story, you can take a nap, okay? <laughs> but don't blame me for giving you what you already know. Blame Ryan, okay? <laughs> so he's responsible. I was born uh, and raised in a, a Jewish home in Kiev, capital of Ukraine. It was uh, the former Soviet Union at that time. And I uh, was the third generation of Jewish atheists. What means uh, we kept our Jewish identity, but we didn't believe in God. Uh, it was very Jewish thing, actually, in the Soviet Union. And, uh, in my extended family, I didn't know anybody who was not Jewish. At the same time, I didn't know anybody who believed in God. To being Jewish was very like ethnic uh, and very sort of like historic memory and also what was written in our paperwork, like in our documents. Uh, you, uh, you, when you fill out the documents here in the United States, uh, you write your name, uh, like your last name, date of birth. There is also a question about your uh, like uh, to what type of people you belong to. Uh, similarly, was uh, also 
in uh, in the Soviet Union, in a sense, in our paperwork, passports, documents, whatever form we filled out, it was uh, we who uh, we had to indicate what ethnicity we are, and it was like uh, first name, uh, father's name, uh, last name, date of birth, and then ethnicity. And then in my documents, it was Jewish, and there was nothing I could do about uh, deleting that or changing it. Well. I know I could do something, but it would cost much money as a bribe, you know? The corruption was there, but I didn't, we didn't have this type of money. Anyway, uh, my dream of old was to become like a Russian or Ukrainian, uh, not Jewish, because Jewish people enjoyed a special status in the former Soviet Union. Special and enjoy with uh, a minus sign, so to speak. So, uh, it was very painful to be Jew uh, in the Soviet Union, particularly because the anti-Semitism was not existent there. What I mean by that, officially. If uh, I would uh, complain that I am persecuted or oppressed as a, as a Jew, the authorities, the governmental offices, the police would say it's impossible. We don't have anti-Semitism. Uh, in our country. All peoples are very equal uh, here. And it was very uh, actually sad thing. Uh, I struggled, uh, I struggled of the anti-Semitism in my school and I couldn't understand why the kids are so uh, bad to me just because I'm Jewish. And it brought me to some con uh, conclusion that I need to look for fellowship with other Jewish kids because it's easier. I, uh, it's safer for me. And then the former Soviet Union began to collapse and I was already a student there at, uh, at the university in Kiev. And as the former Soviet Union began to collapse, the Jewish people for the first time experienced freedom and, uh, to express their Jewishness without a fear. Just to give you an example, in Kiev, there uh, were at that time about 400,000 Jewish people living in just in one city. And it was there only one synagogue. And it was very uh, difficult to get 10 men there to pray together because everybody was afraid of the consequences. It was bad enough to be a Jew in the Soviet Union, but also in a communistic, socialistic society to be a believer in something else, but not in a, a communistic idea, or materialistic idea, was considered also a threat for the government. So nobody was willing to create any more problems. So we stay away from anything what expresses any type of religion. And then suddenly being Jewish is a good thing. Why? Because we can leave the country. We can move to Israel. And many people were willing to uh, leave uh, the, uh, the country and move to the Western co uh, countries. And Jewish people could legally do that. Can you imagine? So uh, Jewish people became very prominent, especially on the marriage market. <laughs> because you could marry a Jew and move out. Well, anyway... Uh, there was a saying, even like a joke, a Jew is not a luxury, it's a vehicle <laughs> <laughs> to, go, to go out. Anyway, jokes aside, uh, I, uh, I decided to, uh, to move to Israel because uh, and I thought that everything what I need in order to be happy is to be in Israel. And I moved there. Uh, there was no direct connection between uh, is uh, between uh, Soviet Union between Kiev and Israel uh, because no uh, any like political relation uh, political relationships and uh, the journey was pretty long from Kiev by train to Moscow from Moscow by flight to Cyprus from Cyprus by boat to Haifa in Israel. Ten days journey, uh, what is usually like a couple hours flight uh, normally today. Uh, 
But as I came there to Israel, I was literally ready to kiss the land there. I thought, now I have everything in order to be happy. It's just I'm in Israel. There are Jewish people all over the place, and it's, the weather is nice, warm, and, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's like a free country. Uh, you know, uh, two weeks later, or like a couple weeks later, I understood that uh, actually it's not enough for, uh, for my happiness to be in Israel. Simply, it's not enough. I, I didn't have peace in my heart. I, was, uh, I had the same uh, worries, the same anxieties, the same uh, challenges, the same insecurities. You name it, just you, the list was uh, pretty wrong. Pretty long, sorry. Uh, you know, by changing the place, we can help ourselves for a little for a little while but if there is no change in our soul in our mind in our inner uh, being probably even such a beautiful land as Israel would not help uh, one day I came uh, to the old city of Jerusalem uh, to fulfill my Zionistic dream my Zionism was uh, not biblical Zionism. I didn't believe in Bible or in God. My Zionism at that time was very Jewish Zionism. Uh, <laughs> what I mean by that, I need to uh, just, I want to be in Israel among other Jewish people, and that's my place to be as a Jew, and I will be just happy if I live there. I came uh, to the old city of Jerusalem uh, to, fulfill, uh, to fulfill my desire to be like on a, on Zion so in the very place that core place of uh, of Jewish mindset you probably you probably uh, know many of you know that every day when Jewish people religious Jews uh, pray we pray uh, toward uh, we pray turning toward Jerusalem and Jerusalem and restoration of uh, Israel is a very substantial part of daily Jewish prayer it means even if we don't pray this historic uh, memory is transmitted through generation to generation that Jerusalem is the core and the focal point of us being Jewish, even of our biological ethnicity, so to speak. Uh, and I came to, uh, to this place, to the Wailing Wall. Uh, should I explain you what, uh, what the Wailing Wall is? Well, you know, you've been to Israel, you saw the pictures. It's the wall where Jewish people uh, normally praying at, uh, on pictures, you know, because it's the closest you can get uh, to pray to uh, uh, the Holy of Holies of the Temple. So uh, I came there not to pray. I was uh, still an atheist. I was uh, I stood there and I was and I was overwhelmed by all these emotions. I reached the destination. I'm here. It's so nice. It's so good. <sighs> and then I came to the wall. I touched uh, the wall, and I instantly believe in God. It was like electricity going uh, through my body from the wall. It was my, I would say, encounter with God at that time. It was just like, ah! And I could almost, uh, I, uh, what year was that? <laughs> now I will feel old. <laughs> it was 1991. So uh, I, uh, I could almost literally see God sitting on the branches, green branches uh, growing uh, from, this, uh, from this wall. So I left that day back to the place I used to stay in South Israel, already believing in God. What God was not a question. I'm Jewish, so the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what else? Couple months later, uh, I had to make a decision. Should I finish my university in Israel or to go back for one year to Ukraine to finish the university there and then return to Israel? Uh, I, my desire was to stay in Israel 
evidently. But uh, again, you probably can relate uh, to that. When we need to make a life-changing decision, it's not easy, right? So uh, we, we talk to friends, we talk to other people we can, uh, can trust. So we need somebody to talk about this. Only few very strong uh, people probably can make a decision on their, uh, on their own. I was not so strong. Uh, so I decided to ask God about his guidance, and it's actually always the best. Uh, I decided to ask God about his direction for my life uh, because I believe that he knows what, what is better for me. But the only way to ask God was the wailing wall. You probably, many of you probably heard or experienced this tradition. You write a note with your, uh, with your desire, your question or whatever. You pack it into the wall between the stones. And then God read all the notes, fulfills all the wishes. Uh, it's, it's like Jewish Christmas, uh, sort of. But you know what? Sometimes it works <laughs> because uh, it's a grace and mercy of God. At least it did in my case. I came to Jerusalem. I walked to the Wailing Wall, and it was Saturday. Uh, and I, as I reached the wall, I, got, uh, I took a piece of paper and a pen, and I was uh, about to uh, write my note to God, but I was stopped by a security man who told me, it's Shabbat. You're not supposed to write because writing is work. I sinned that day. I went around the corner to write a note where nobody could see me. Well, I did. I don't really, uh, uh, I don't believe that I sinned because uh, my conviction, although I knew very little of God, but my conviction at that time was also that uh, God is actually, uh, he's not sleeping, he is not resting, he uh, is always ready to receive our petitions, even on Shabbat and even more on Shabbat. Uh, then later I realized that the only thing that can uh, be an obstacle is our sin that separates us from God and actually, according to Isaiah, turned his face uh, away uh, from us and uh, uh, his hands are not reaching to us because the sin is a great obstacle, like a wall between uh, people and God, a person and God. So. I wrote a note, and in the note I, uh, I put, please show me the way to go, and I promise that I will never complain about this decision or this guidance. You know, it was a foolish promise. The very next day he sent me back to Ukraine, and he was complaining like crazy. <laughs> On, uh, but on my, again, from Haifa to Cyprus, from Cyprus to Moscow, from Moscow to Kiev. On the way from Haifa to Cyprus, on like a fair, so like on a big boat, um, on a deck at night, two young men approached, uh, approached me, backpackers, and asked me what language I uh, speak the best, and I said Russian. And they, uh, and they gave me the New Testament in Russian language. The New Testament? Are you kidding me? I'm Jewish. <laughs> I, the, like the New Testament is, uh, if it's not even like an anti-Semitic book, but at least it's the book for the Gentiles, not for me. And still I took it for two reasons. First, uh, I didn't want to be rude to these nice young people, young men, and probably was afraid that they would beat me if I don't <laughs> take it. Uh, oh, Christians, what good, is, what good could come from Christians? At least it was my assumption at that time. So very Jewish assumption. We have uh, fears of 
Christianity. I mean, now it's better, but at that time still. Uh, and second, uh, I love books. And I couldn't say no to a book. If they would give me a Quran, I would take it as well. But praise God, it was the New Testament. So I took the New Testament, and uh, it was sort of like prophetic. Because as I came back uh, to Kiev, I met my old Jewish friend who, meanwhile, became a believer in Jesus in a, in a very conservative uh, Ukrainian uh, Baptist church. What was good uh, in some way, but I consider him crazy first. You Jew and you're Jewish and you believe in Jesus? You get crazy. We don't believe in Jesus. Because we don't believe in Jesus, period. And uh, also his message, I didn't like his message. His message was you're a sinner, you go to hell, you got to believe in Jesus, otherwise you're a toast. It was, uh, I know that theologically, he was absolutely right. Biblically, it was sort of correct, but I was offended by calling me a sinner and that I need, uh, I need Jesus, who is actually not for the Jewish people. Uh, but observing my friend, you know, I, I saw that his life changed. He seemed to be confident, forgiving, loving, peaceful, uh, sort of like he had everything I was missing in my life. I was jealous. I envied my friend. You know, like uh, if I had a problem, I, had, uh, I went to my friend telling him, would you pray to your Jesus for your Jesus to help me? Crazy. Not fair. I need to convince him that he is wrong in his belief for him to be the same miserable I was. Well, I'm exaggerating a little. But uh, I, I did take the Bible uh, and started reading from the Old Testament to convince him that, uh, that, to, that Jesus could not be the Messiah. I started reading from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and I did like 15 chapters, and then I got bored because names, geographic places, it's just like, but I was on a quest. I just got, it's, it was a competition. I got to convince my friend. So I was looking through the Bible for the passages uh, telling that Jesus could not be the Messiah. The competition took about a year, and then my friend won. I was already uh, convinced uh, that Jesus is the one don't ask me what particular passage convinced me. It was, I, first, I don't remember exactly. Second, it was probably the whole picture that I saw from there. And then, uh, uh, and then I decided to pray in Jesus' name for the first time. And I uh, did a prayer that you could find in many good brochures, uh, or, like if you are you remember like four spiritual laws or uh, like different ev evangelistic brochures that please forgive me uh, I want to follow you I need you change my life be the Lord of my uh, life uh, you know the, this prayer committing myself to uh, to Jesus I still believe in this prayer. I mean, it's it's a good prayer. It's a good, it's a good expression of uh, our faith, and it's it's a right decision to make. I prayed this prayer, and thirty seconds later, I prayed again. Father, if Jesus is not the Messiah, please forgive me. I made a mistake. <laughs> I was afraid of committing something wrong. I thought that in the whole universe there are only two Jewish men who consider Jesus to be the Messiah. 
my crazy friend, and I. What would my uh, what will my parents say about it or my friends? Why don't other Jewish people believe in Jesus or the rabbis? So uh, I was I was in dilemma. It took three uh, more months for God, though, to bring me into a situation where when I needed him badly. And for the first time in my life, I knew that I'm a sinner. Oh, you would say everybody is a sinner. I knew that. Everybody except... I was not. You know, I never killed anybody. I, and that was my assumption. I never committed any serious crime. I never, like, used drugs or misused alcohol. I never stolen anything for others to see that I'm stealing. So just in my, in my eyes, I was like a Jewish angel. <laughs> pride and joy of my parents. Oh, well, probably more pride than joy. But still, uh, I was pr probably pretty righteous in my eyes. And on that very night, it was at night, I, I knew for the first time that actually I was nothing else like a hypocrite. I understood that I never com uh, committed any crime or did something what I just mentioned, not because I was good, but because I was afraid of the consequences. Looking at, my, uh, at myself through God's eyes that night, I saw so much wrong. Envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, even sometimes hate, fears, uh, lack of faith, And I felt so dirty, so lost, so lonely, actually. I felt my, uh, my this uncleanness, my sin as a huge stone on my shoulders. And it was unbearable. It was too heavy for me. And I knew the way, and the way was Jesus. And it was not important for me at that moment what will other Jewish people say about that and uh, how many other Jewish people, how many Jewish there are um, who believe in Jesus. I was on my knees. I was praying. And my life was going like a movie in front of my eyes. And I was bringing to Jesus everything what I could find wrong there. I don't remember how long this prayer took. Probably around half an hour. It was after midnight or something like that. As I stood up, and it was in my room, you know, the stone was still there. But this time, 30, sec 30 seconds later, I prayed, uh, I told God a different thing. I said, it cannot be true. You promised that you will forgive. And I opened the Bible, the passage that I looked previously, and suddenly this passage spoke to me, and it was like the voice of God in my soul. Your sin is forgiven, and the stone was gone. And I felt like a bird. I thought I can fly. I was flying for a couple of weeks, then God brought me back to earth. I'm walking <laughs> since then. But the change was so dramatic. He changed my life. He changed my attitude. He changed my perspective. He changed my worldview. It was like instant change. I know everybody is different, and uh, you probably... If you would tell your story, your story is completely uh, different, each of you. But in my case, the change was so dramatic. The, ver the, the, the next morning, I came to the place I used to work. My colleagues, they couldn't find uh, like a hiding spot from me. Uh, 
no escape. I was chasing them, telling them, you need to believe in Jesus. Jesus is the best. Jesus gives, uh, gives peace. It, it's so good to be with him. And then after work, I went to the, uh, to the main square of Kiev at that time, and I was preaching the gospel there on the, uh, on the street. Uh, I don't remember what I was preaching, uh, because I never read the New Testament yet. <laughs> Uh, completely, and I uh, never attended any church or messianic service yet. Uh, but people were interested in Jesus, and some were even getting saved. Anyway, uh, I came to my uh, to my friend uh, after that and said, "Would you lead me uh, to your congregation, please?" Uh, and he was already attending a messianic congregation. Uh, because I, now I believe in Jesus. And he was not, not excited. And I thought like, why? But it doesn't, doesn't matter, I'm so happy with Jesus. Uh, as we came to the congregation, he told to the elders, this young man tells that he believes in Jesus, but I don't trust him. <laughs> he spent so much time convincing me about Jesus that he lost his faith that it will ever happen. It tells you how stubborn I was. And well, anyway, sure. Uh, soon after, uh, I decided to quit my secular job and become a full-time minister. Everything was going really fast. It was, I would say, relatively long ago. But I'm still grateful to God for that life change. You know. Um, if I compare myself to what was there before Jesus, I'm a blessed and happy man. You know, I have, and it's not that I always like flying and it's just like I'm so, I'm so excited. Uh, but yeah, I have my moments, you know, it's like, hmm ups and downs. Uh, I, I can be nervous. I can be not, like, again, not confident. I need, I need just, uh, I can get, like, also upset. And uh, those who know me, they know that when I'm excited, you, you can see that. I don't hide it. When I'm the opposite, I can't hide it as well. So, but, but anyway, uh, I have my moments but it's nothing in comparison because even in my, I would say, darkest moments, I know that Jesus is there. He is with me. I know who to go to with my, with my frustrations, with my worries, with uh, my problems, with my challenges, and he always supports me and helps. And even this feeling of understanding that Jesus is there is worth living with, you know. It's worth coming to Jesus in this life, and there is a life eternal. Uh, what can be uh, actually uh, better? Now, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, that's another story. I know. Thank you for the question. But it's, my time is almost uh, almost over, and I need to uh, to read something from the Bible. Okay, uh, and I need uh, I need to uh, to I will tell it by next occasion. Okay, or maybe today we'll see. Uh, so um, I um, right now when I talk about Jesus uh, and share my testimony you can see that I'm excited. And I, uh, and I want to share a reason, now theological or biblical reason why it's like this. Um, do, uh, do you remember Romans 1.16? If, uh, if uh, you don't know the, uh, this uh, verse by heart, let's read from this verse. It's a very famous verse, especially for me in Jewish ministry. 
after Paul uh, was writing that uh, he is uh, called to share the gospel and it's his obligation to share the gospel uh, to uh, barbarians, to different people, to Gentiles, he, he said that he's uh, even ready to preach the gospel uh, to the Romans who to the most part were believers already, but he was willing to talk the gospel to them as well. And then I was, uh, I was wondering why. In verse 16, it's written, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want to uh, uh, emphasize a couple things from this passage. First, the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is a good news. Every, uh, uh, every news is attached to some event. The gospel is attached to, the G uh, to Jesus' event. So that Jesus was born, he was circumcised, He's Jewish, right? So we don't need to talk about that. Uh, that uh, he was dedicated to the Lord. He was uh, called by God uh, for, uh, for ministry as the king of Israel by, uh, uh, by God saying, this is my beloved son. Uh, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then he was, uh, he was crucified and died for our sin to be a substitutional sacrifice in our regard. And then he was buried in a Jewish grave. And then he resurrected and he ascended to heaven. And he sent the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to transform our lives even, uh, even today. And we are expecting him to come back. And he certainly will. So this is, uh, this is all like some parts of the gospel. It, and this is not just information. It's the event or events and the information about these events. What I see in this passage is this news, the gospel as a story itself is the power of God for salvation. By telling the story we initiate the power of God for salvation. It's very actually Jewish to believe that by telling the story, we initiate the events that, are, uh, uh, that this story is about. Let me give you an example. The Passover, uh, the Passover meal, Pas uh, Passover Seder. We eat something in a certain order and we tell the story of the exodus from Egypt. And by telling this story of the exodus from Egypt in, and eating something in certain order, we say, tonight I'm going out of Egypt. Wait a second, I'm not in, in, in Egypt literally. How can I go out? By telling the story and by doing something in a certain order. So, by that, there is a corridor open for me, connecting me with the story of Exodus. And there are many such examples in, uh, in Jewish tradition and in, uh, in the Bible, in the New Testament, if we consider those passages from uh, this perspective. So, what I mean by that, when we tell the gospel, the Jesus event is initiated. The gospel is the power for salvation. I can be very frustrated, very sorry, very upset, but when I start talking the gospel, and maybe you, some of you can relate to that, I'm getting excited. I'm just, not just this is the power that is uh, for, uh, for those who Believe it's written. It's the power of God for salvation for everybody who believes. You got to believe in that for uh, for this uh, for this power to start working. But we offer this power, and by the way, 
this power is also for us if we believe. That's why Paul, the Apostle Paul was ready to preach even to Romans. Why? Because it's good. It's enjoyable. It gives us, uh, it makes us motivated, excited, encouraged. Before I came here to speak, I was sitting there uh, in, in the back and I was just like, oh, this thing is not going right. This thing is not going well. It's just like, uh, so I, I, I got some news today that, uh, that were not necessarily very pleasing news. But as I came here and started talking about the story of Jesus, even in my life, and when I'm talking, uh, when I'm telling the gospel right now, I feel really good. And I do believe that this, uh, the, that, uh, this is not a coincidence. It's not just a very emotional uh, and Vladimir who is just, it's his, uh, it's his kind. Yes, so to some part it's my kind, uh, but it's not only the only uh, it's not the only thing share the gospel speak the good news to others even if they are believers it's good for you it's good for others but it's also good for you to tell it to believe it to listen to that and uh, another thing that I want to uh, bring your attention to it's very evident so I'm in Jewish ministry I should tell that to the Jew first, <laughs> and also to the Greek, to everybody else. In Jewish ministry, we emphasize to the Jew first. But the Apostle Paul, he was Jewish, but his ministry was to the Gentiles. So the emphasis of, the, of this verse, as well as two other similar verses in chapter 2, uh, similar phrases, is not to the Jew first but also to the Greek. He was mentioning that, not for the sake of the Jewish people, but for the sake of Gentiles, that the gospel is the good news for the Jews. It was granted. Everybody knew that at that time. Because Jesus was, uh, was the light for the nations and the glory of your people Israel. So he came as the glory of, uh, of, uh, the, uh, of the people Israel. He came as that Jewish Messiah, Jewish King to restore Israel. We read it in the Gospels. So uh, he was promised in the Old Testament uh, as such. And he came for the Jewish people first. It was just granted. Theologically, every Gentile Christian at that time should know that. Listen. The only book for uh, the only Bible to read at that time, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, right? The only uh, the only uh, people uh, to have a pattern uh, to f uh, to follow or just to observe as example, the people of Israel. The only uh, the the main teachers, all Jewish uh, teachers, apostles. So to the Jew first, granted. To the Gentiles, oh, that's something interesting. What should be emphasized? So, uh, if you happen to be Jewish, sitting here or listening uh, online or in recording, the gospel is the power of God for everybody who believes. To you first. If you are Gentile, you are emphasized in this passage. So it's very much for you as well. Well, Thank you for your prayers. Keep praying for the Jewish people to be saved because it's biblical. It's natural. It's like organic work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And uh, I'm, a very, uh, I'm very grateful to God that uh, your class, your marathon class, is very strong on missions. You support missions. You support missionaries. You care. And every time you did it, and every Sunday you dedicate time to talk about missions, and I know that you pray regularly for, uh, for missions. And I'm very grateful to God and to you that you also consider, uh, that you also pray for Jewish missions 
and for uh, Jewish people to be saved. And I usually say, don't uh, just start with this prayer. Every prayer for missions start with Jewish people. Five seconds is already enough. Then five hours for other nations, but do to the Jew first. And also, when the, well, if you write a check for the missions, start with Jewish people. You want to donate 100, donate $1 <laughs> to Jewish people first, okay? So just use this principle to the Jew first, not to, for the Jews more than for Gentiles. No, that's not what I mean. I just like start with Jewish people first when you talk of salvation. And now back to the gospel as a conclusion. Speak the gospel, listen to the gospel, talk about Jesus and tell others what he has done, not just as an evangelism, also like encouragement. Talk to each other and you will see that in spite all of your and our troubles, we will be encouraged and we will have more power. Why? Because the Bible tells us so. Let me pray. Avino, our Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that the gospel is not just in use of information, but it's the real events, and it's the power. We are grateful that this power, by the work of your Holy Spirit, ma making us believing the gospel, that this power transformed our life and keeps transforming our lives on daily basis. We are very grateful and thankful that nothing can separate us from you and from your promises and from the glorious future that is waiting for us. We are very grateful that you give us courage, that you give us encouragement, that you give us joy, and also that you make us excited about your gospel, about your plan. By your grace, you're with us every day and every moment. We thank you. We praise you that Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. We praise you that he went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. We praise you that Jesus will come back as promised. And we commit ourselves to you and want to follow you. We ask for the outpour of the Holy Spirit and for many people to come to salvation here in Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, in the United States, and through the ends of the world. Also for Israel, for Jerusalem, and for the Jewish people we pray. Touch their hearts, bring them to salvation. Let them believe in the gospel. Encourage us, strengthen us, fill us with your spirit, and guide us according to your will. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.